Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Shackles Are Off podcast. You're probably a bit sick of cricket, especially after watching England in the T20 series, which, as we record this, we're just waiting for the dust to settle after that 3-2 series loss. I'll tell you what, though, boys. It was a really good final game, though, that one, wasn't it? Oh, my word. I mean, I know it wasn't a particularly close game, but... It, they welted it. There was that brilliant catch from CJ <laughs> linking it up. <laughs> they did. Welted. They did. It's not spinach. <laughs> <laughs> they did, though. Sharma and Coley were just sublime, weren't they? They were good to watch, and it was exciting. That catch as well from CJ, uh, where he chucked it to Jason Roy. I mean, that was mustard, wasn't it? It best wasn't ever. all bad. Brooksy, was that the Brooksy? best you've seen? Um, it's got to be out there, isn't it? I mean, Roy's reaction, the dugout reaction behind... Um, just the pure athleticism and skill it takes at speed. In slow-mo, it looks actually quite easy, but in, in full speed, you're like, oh, my days. Um, CJ, just, he's got his own highlights reel for his fielding, hasn't he, and his catch. Yeah. Um, it'll go down as a Jason Roy catch, assisted by CJ. But, um, yeah, just on the game, as a, like the series was quality. Um, England had opportunities to, to close out the games they lost at some earlier in the series. Um, but India... But these two are obviously the two standout teams in the world, aren't they, in T20 cricket? Um, and India were just better on the day on a proper good 2020 road of a wicket, wasn't it? Um, and we just didn't have enough firepower sort of to chase down that, that big score. India's bowling was probably slightly better than ours over the course of the series. Um, Kohli, when he comes to the party, he's unbelievable, isn't he? <sighs> yeah, he is. He is. He's unbelievable and he's unbelievably annoying. I hate seeing him rattled. Like, when, One day I love him, one day I hate him. But um, just the, some of the things he does winds me up. Like, I don't, I'm getting stuck into players. Like, giving someone a send-off is bullshit in my eyes. I don't know what Joss did. <laughs> Hang on, Brooksy. You're, like, known for your send-offs. But his, no, his is a celebration, though, isn't it? I'd say it's a celebration. I've done one in my career, and I regretted it. Yeah, he didn't forget it, a, it, blow it, did he? And I was a lot younger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what Joss, if, if, I don't know if it's come out. Or, I don't know. I actually don't know. But um, if Joss actually did or said anything... Um, Cody obviously did something. I don't. I didn't really see it at the time. I just heard about it. But um, yeah. But when Cody just moans at the umpire, it does my head in as well. That's even yeah. worse. Mm. It was just weird how how he was. Um, you know, it's your captain. It's not a good look. That is it particularly as a professional no, cricketer. It's, it's the way I think you can speak to umpires, but it's just the way aggression, he, isn't it? It's yeah. very aggressive and sort of finger pointing and stuff, and it's just not a good look for the game. Mm. Um, but. Take not take it away from the fact he's an unbelievable cricketer and on form. Mm. You know, you sort of guy you pay to watch bat, isn't he? And they've got some quality youngsters. That Surya Yadav, he's going to be a proper player. Um, Rishabh Pant's obviously a naughty little ramper, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> a naughty little uh, ramper. And, and Hardik as well. They've got some very good cricketers. Um, they're going to be hard to beat in the World Cup, in the T20 World Cup later in the year. But England on that day, I'll still back them to beat them if they, if they play to their best. Yeah, definitely. And they're just annoying, aren't they, India? They're just annoying. Like, when you think you've got, you're have got you in a good position, like, how good for two-thirds of the game were England set up? Like, they got a big total and we were on for it. We were ahead of their rate and then two good overs and suddenly they're absolutely um, demolishing us. Um, it's, just, it's frustrating, but it's well poised for the World Cup and the England squad, T20 squad, is arguably the best it's ever been. Um, the ODI squad is, as we know, but the T20 squad is as well. And players you could bring in, 
Moeen, Ruti. There's so much talent in the I was going to say, is there still the a spot for Ruti? I know you're, we're all mates with him, but I'd still take Ruti anyway. 100%. Um, 100%. You think about the last time England chased 220, wherever it was. Ruti ended up with a red, red inker, didn't he? Yeah, 80-odd. Yeah. You need um, a stability. Like, Kohli does the role for India. Stabilises and innings. Goes quite hard, but, but it's overrun a ball, isn't he? And he, do, he needs... Scores at a good rate, and Ruti's done that recently. But I think it, they're also seeing it as Ruti's rest period because he's so full on with the Test squad. And you can, oh yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I also think England's top six, like any of them, could bat anywhere in the top six. It's almost like they're so spoiled; they, they probably know their what their lineup, what they want their lineup to be. But it almost comes down to form and how best to use them. It's um, really are spoiled. But then after that, it's then what do they do? Do they play Moen and which bowlers do they go with? Yeah. Hey, it's a good problem to have. Good problem to have, though. Um, talking of elite cricketing athletes, if you want to see one in action, building up to his... <laughs> Talk about me again. <laughs> we, we, yeah, well, yes, we are, actually, as a matter of fact. Oh, you actually are. We actually are. <laughs> we actually are, Brooksy. Um, so, yeah, I was looking, I was trying to eyeball you, and you were looking all excited. I thought, oh, he loves this. Right, great. So... Just to give you a little tease ahead, over the next week or so after we put this podcast out, and probably due to our listenership, always listening to podcasts later than you know than we actually put them out, you'll just head on to the Barmy Army YouTube channel and you'll be able to see Brooksy and what goes on behind closed doors, effectively. Life in the day of a pro cricketer featuring our very own. Um, Chris, you and I have had a little preview of it. Lots of questions, Ooh. lots of questions. We won't spoil the video for you. Um, <laughs> do you really make those noises when you're in the gym? Can I? Um, more than likely, yeah. I make stupid noises all day, sometimes <laughs> just to entertain myself. I'll just give a little... A, my, From my point of view, having only recorded the clips and sent them on to, um, to Chris, which you've obviously seen as well, which is great, is what people should be looking out for is a mixture of the Truman Show and the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see slash anxious to see what the end video looks like and a day in the life of Jack Brooks, the professional cricketer. Um, and if it's well received, then we'll see where we go for an ongoing Amazing chronicles of. But um, yeah, we'll see. Mate. Hopefully it's entertaining at very least. What we need to stress is this is absolutely not an act. This is just a normal day for Brooksy. He... <laughs> He is mental. And I was that's at home. great. I was recording myself having breakfast. <laughs> it was good. I'll enjoy the duck insight as well. But look, we're not going to spoil the video for you because uh, it's great. So head to the Barmy Army YouTube channel. You'll be able to watch that in the coming days. It's brilliant. I have a feeling it's one of them things that we will be watching on loop over and over again because there's some <laughs> absolute gold in there. So, uh, Brooksy, thanks for that. Also, look, um, just a quick one before we finish off our intro and get into our guest for this week. What's David Nash? I mean, look, David Nash, brilliant <laughs> guest. I mean, crack as mad as a box of fogs. We could have talked to him all day. And he actually talks about some really serious issues in our conversation yeah. with him. But he does it in a way that actually it's not a difficult listen. But there is, I also must just stress, there's a little bit of bad language involved. So there's my little warning, customary warning. But he is absolutely brilliant, isn't he? And... Um, I mean, Chris, you've come across him in a business context. Brooksy, yeah, had yeah. You, Brooksy, had you come across him in a playing context much before? No, uh, um, our careers missed each other. And I've known of him for years, obviously. People have, I, that I've played with or friends with have uh, played with and friends with him. And there's a lot of David Nash stories flying around the circuit just because he was a bit <laughs> different. But a fine cricketer who didn't probably quite live up to his um, to his potential. But funny man been through it had some issues owned up to it wrote a book it's gone on to be a successful businessman who chris has probably dealt with quite a lot off field um yeah and he's just one of those guys that at the very least he'll be entertaining and you'll be um <laughs> you'll be you'll be gutted to miss this one i think this is going to be quite an interesting pod to listen to yeah yeah from my dealings with him he's always been very um very full-on and very um, aggressive in the business world, but very successful. He's had a really good um, short business career and he, he works, still works in the cricket industry doing some events and D&G Group have gone from strength to strength in the last few years and they're doing great things, raising a lot, a lot of money for charity um, through their online auctions and the events that 
that they run. We've partnered with them many times before and will do in the future. And he's a great guy to deal with. It's always fun at a business meeting. Um, and if it ends up in the pub, it's normally more entertaining than not. So, uh, yeah, a character, but we won't spoil it for anyone. No, and like Brooksy said, some of these stories and tales of folklore that have gone around the county circuit, obviously, from Nash's career, we do ask him about a couple of brilliant examples. And, and by the way, he doesn't hide them at all, does he? He does not shy away from it. So stay tuned. It is the brilliant David Nash on the Shackles Are Off podcast. We'll talk about the transcendence of the eras and stuff like that because you obviously straddled the yeah. old school and the new school in many ways. But let's first talk about uh, you and the old school. How was it growing up? Because I've looked at some of your stats and stuff and they don't do this anymore, the under-19s test matches. But effectively, you were the Bradman of under-19s <laughs> cricket because you averaged over 100. Mate, Jesus Christ. Keep going, keep going. I don't want to stop you there. Um... Jesus Christ, Bradman! I, don't, I can I can see the Middlesex lads spitting their breakfasts out now, laughing at this one. Jesus Christ! Uh, no, I just I think I was very very lucky on that trip. The wickets were very very flat. The only place that I have was at Taunton, and the wickets at Lahore and Ralpindi were like Taunton. So um, yeah, it definitely helped me uh, playing out there. The ball didn't do too much, but. Uh, as an under-19, well, pretty much from an England under-15 onwards, from England 15s, 17s, 19s, I was a very good cricketer. Um, I was, I loved the game then and uh, I was I was a high achiever, um, you know, as shown by my 12 England under-19 test matches and my Bradman-esque average of over 100. <laughs> um, it was it as was soon as those England under-19 days finished and I actually, you know, in my first six games for Middlesex, I, I got 100 against Essex, 90-odd against Durham, and I averaged, I think, about mid-50s, 60s. Um, and I went on the England A tour to Sri Lanka and Kenya with Freddie and Harmy and, you know, Jilo and Nick Knight, Mark Elam, those sort of boys, Darren Maddy. And then from there, it was just, uh, it was a slippery slope and it all went tits up, to be totally honest with you. <laughs> what do you mean tits up? What do you mean by that, Nashi? I just... Just I went from being a young prodigy to to someone that was just a journeyman journeyman pro. Oh, there we What happened there, Nashi? What, what? Why? I I got 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 on the booze too much. Um, I probably suffered with a little bit of addiction. Um, didn't love the game. I was only doing it because um, my, I didn't want to let my parents down. Um, you know, as, as time went by and as I sort of hit the booze more and just didn't take it seriously, didn't train hard enough. I was basically at uni, but being paid for it in truth. You had a good time then. Yeah, I was definitely having a good time. And, uh, you know, uh, it was, it was almost an amateur game that was a professional game. It was, it was more about the, the fun and the party rather than, you know, the, it being a professional, maybe in today's society with the lads just playing FIFA in the, uh, in the hotels and not going out, having team meals and having fun and, you know, having the uh, urine tests in the morning, you know, uh, I would have probably, I would have probably um, done well and, and sort of reached me, you know, reached the levels that I probably should have achieved because, uh, you know, I can't imagine my urine test in the morning after eight pint, eight bottles of Cobra and a, a gel frazy, you know, I certainly, <laughs> I certainly would have been found out. There would have been no way to hide that. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, that was, I don't think I loved the game. I loved obviously what cricket game. I loved the lads. I loved the football in the morning. I loved the banter. I loved the, the piss taking. I just loved the camaraderie and the family, but in honest truth, I didn't love cricket. Any regrets from that period, Nashi, or are you, are you happy with how it all played out for you? Uh, my regrets were I didn't finish it sooner in truth, um, because I was re reeked with self-doubt I was I had a huge fear of failure um I feigned injury on numerous occasions to get out of the matches that I was actually playing in at the time because I thought I'd be able to get through it and then anxiety would hit me and I just then you know 
I don't know if any of you have had anxiety, but when I got it, I got it really bad. I literally couldn't breathe. It was it was horrific. So there was no way I could I could continue. But if I'd have sort of gone to the powers that be, I had nothing else at that time. If I'd have gone to the powers that be, it would have shown massive weakness and I probably would have been, you know, at the time, anxiety wasn't an issue. No one knew about her mental health. I'd have probably, they would have probably put me in a straight jacket and, you know, wheeled me out to the hospital and, uh, you know, I couldn't speak to anyone about it. And when it first hit, I went to my local doctor um, bless him dr duckworth and he basically just said i'll drink more water no you know he said that you're you're dehydrated drink more water because i was saying i was struggling to to get the distance with just simple throws that were coming in from the boundary i wasn't able to judge it and you know i know i know now know it was anxiety and mental health but um yeah he he put it down to dehydration that's really interesting because obviously you played with Harmison Flintoff and there was that culture, wasn't there, in the under-19s where, you know, you hear the stories about Flintoff sort of signing himself up at 19 years old when he was the skipper just so he could get a, get served, basically, on tour and all that kind of stuff. And that, yeah. <laughs> look, I mean, you know, it's, you, and also, I mean, it's great that Fred can laugh about that now. Um, yeah. And I mean, the I must, remember that. Must, Dear, were you there we, for that, by the way? A few of the lads, so that was in Lahore, a few of the lads, we had to basically signed that a few of the lads I think Freddie was one had to sign a declaration that he was an alcoholic for us to get booze in the rooms <laughs> wasn't his bath full of it as well it was like he oh, f- mate, filled it up with a, ice and beers and stuff I remember it I remember a trip that well we had a great trip we were in Lahore and uh yeah I remember they flew over some VBs for Christmas day and stuff like that but then we we found out that if you were if you were um an alcoholic they then signed a declaration. They had to then sort you out some booze in the hotel. So a few of the lads had to sign up as alcoholics. <laughs> oh, God bless. That was a great trip. I mean, I remember that trip really, really well. Because within the first three or four days, um, me and me and Fred were, were very close to Harmy's room. And, and I'd just hear crying, uncontrollable crying in the evenings. So I said to Fred, look, is Harmy all right? So we went in and saw Harmy. And we were three days in and he just said, lads, I can't do this. I need to go home. I hate it. I like, I've never been out of Ashington. And, uh, you know, then we took him to the management um, and um, Phil Neal, um, probably not my favourite bloke. I talk about sewers and drains in my book. That bloke is certainly a drain. He is one hell of a mood hoover, old Phil Neal. Um, but to be fair, uh, we, we took him to, um, to Phil and uh, Harmy had left the trip within a week. Seriously, I mean, it's interesting that that, you, yeah. that, you, that there's that there's you, Fred, Harmy, and probably a whole host of others who've all suffered from some kind of cricket depression, if you want to call it that, anxiety, yeah. and all obviously all honest blokes and talked about it and still flourished and come through yeah. it for the other side. But weird that, isn't it? Really weird environment. Do you reckon? It, I mean, it's got to have improved since then for the young lads now. Look, it's very very hard for me to comment, but obviously I, I know that the young lads are very, very different. But from what I'm hearing, um, there's a lot of the young lads that are, are on meds. There was no meds in my day. There's no meds in my day. I think a lot of the young lads are on meds. It's a game that, to be totally honest with you, it, it, it does you in the head, you know, because whether you're a batter, bowler or whatever, you know, you're always worried about your next contract. When you're giving something to your sport, you're not necessarily... You're not earning a lot of money unless you play for England. Um, you know, you're a somebody for a while, but I think, you know, if you're honest, a lot of cricketers, everyone has got self-doubt. Everyone's got fear of failure. That's why you look at the you know, the guys that have gone on to be really, really good. You know, in, in my team at Middlesex, the people like Andrew Strauss and Abe Sharp, if you looked at those two in a net next to each other, you, you you would you would a hundred hundred people out of a hundred would basically say that O.A. Shaw was the bloke that played a hundred Test matches, but no, it was Andrew Strauss, and Andrew Strauss was able to do it because he was he worked harder than anyone else, and he was very on a level. You didn't know at the end of the day whether he'd got a hundred or not. He just stayed on the level, whereas a lot of us were very up and down in our moods, depending on how well we did, um, and that's why Strauss he had such a great career. Um, he stayed on a level, but um, no mental health. But then you had a lot of people on that trip. You know, your Alex Tudors, your um, your uh, David Saleses, those sort of people. Chris Reeds that probably didn't weren't the type of people that suffered with mental health because they seemed to love cricket. But 
I don't know. Maybe they thought I loved cricket, but in total truth, probably then I did a little bit. I did probably. Um, I was taking it from, but as I got into sort of my mid twenties and it became a job, um, I really didn't enjoy it. I, you know, I, every if I could get through every day without failing, I'd be. I was happy, and I just, I just wanted. Uh, I didn't know what else I could do because you basically feel feel that you know I've I've got no real skills. If I'm honest, in life, I did all right in GCSEs. I did very averagely in my A levels at Malvern College, but I was able to obviously have a good network from my Malvern College days. But um, I had very little else. I didn't have any any real skills. And when I came out the game, I had no skills. But what I did, I had the confidence that because of my testimonial year, I had a confidence that I was able to. Um, uh, people liked me, and they were they were they were always willing to to help me and and do business for me. Yeah. And when you retired from cricket, Nashi, could you have ever envisaged how far you'd have gone in business? Because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people be aware that you're a very successful businessman now. Could you have imagined that you'd reach the levels that you have since cricket when you were that age? Not at all, but I still fear failure every day. I still mm-hmm. feel failure every day, which is is my reason, is which what drives me on. But I now actually feel like I've got a purpose. So I've got a purpose. I've got, you know, in our business, we've raised over 20 million quid for charity as well. Obviously, it's a, we, we do well out, as well out of it, but I've got a purpose to get up. So I'm making a difference. And I and I feel that all sort of the business deals we do, a lot of them have give, a giving back element, and I'm able to you know do things that I didn't envisage I would be able to do, like support kids in Sri Lanka, support um, an orphanage in Sri Lanka as well, and just do do different things like local people. We have a thing at my business DNG Group where every month we basically try and do something for someone in the local community. So uh, you know, uh, one of my favourite ones I did was. Uh, 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 I heard of a local guy that had been stabbed outside a kebab shop at three o'clock. So I got hold of his number, spoke to him and said, look, you know, you, you, you've got, you got through this. It's been shocking, but what would you love to do? And, uh, with your, with your parents. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm a massive Villa fan and, uh, I'd love to go to the cup final, the Carlin cup final. So I then sorted out some tickets into Bobby Moore and, and, um, I, we were able to take him and his family to the cup final and he was there in tears. Well, and uh, you know you're able to make a difference to people and uh, and make them smile. So uh, yeah, that that gives me a purpose every day now. I think it's much more important, Ash, and you obviously would know this as well to be a better bloke than to be a better cricketer, though, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, that's the one thing that I I really sort of um, I push to all guys that sort of a bit have called me that are coming out of the game. I had a good chat with Dane Villas the other day um, about what he wants to do next next etc your key is your currency is while you're playing cricket you have to be setting up your businesses while you're playing cricket 100 because people want to know you that is when you have a currency ceos will meet you you can do stuff with sponsors soon as you leave the game your currency just drops people don't want to know you as much but if you're a good bloke um like anything i mean i got our first bit of business by basically turning up to events that were CEOs were at. And I went up to a guy called John King, the then house of, uh, CEO of House of Fraser, and I had a shit pitch. He was there eating his lamb shank at the Grosvenor, and I'd basically gone through the table plan and said, There's, that's the CEO of House of Fraser, that would be our perfect client. I went up to him and I just stood next to him and he looked at me and he then stood up and he said, do I know you? I said, hi, John, I'm really sorry to bother you whilst you're eating your lamb shank. Look, I'm a shit ex <laughs> called David Nash. I uh, played at Middlesex very badly. I think I've got a great idea for um, for your foundation and, and to support your CSR program. Someone gave you your opportunity. Can you please give me mine? That was my pitch. And he looked at me and said, right, interesting. Tell me more Tuesday morning. Gave me his card, said, see me at head, House of Fraser head, headquarters, nine o'clock Tuesday morning. Went in, spoke to him and he gave me my first opportunity. And then we were able to roll out the case study from then. That's so good. That is so good. What I find interesting, Nash, you know you're saying that you hated the game, right? And obviously you're saying that your currency is whilst you're still playing the game and all that kind of thing. Did you, I mean, a lot of people find it hard to believe that somebody who's played like 300 professional games of cricket and had such a long, successful career at, you know, a really massive county playing at Lords week in, week out, hated the game of cricket. Like, I, I it just absolutely baffles me. And... I, I just it baffles I, me as well. It baffles me, honestly. 
but it was it's also what was it's what's going on inside your head your head's a really weird place like it's you know I was probably doing it for the wrong reasons I just didn't want to let my parents down I'm quite a straight sort of transparent emotional bloke and uh you know they followed me around the country you know they loved it they were so proud of me but really you know when I'd go and get a few low scores and I'd be particularly when I was younger you know I was living with my parents so I'd come home and they'd be like you know they'd be sort of walking on eggshells around me you know don't worry about it it doesn't it's only a game and that would then infuriate me even more because I could feel I was letting them down yeah so it's just unfortunately the game just fucks with your head in truth and um look the pca do all they can and they really do do a great job and the guy they've got in as ceo there um i've been really you know over the years i think the ceo they've had i've been sort of really underwhelmed by but the ceo they've got now rob lynch that did all the commercial stuff at middlesex he's absolutely brilliant and um you know um i've had lots of good chats with him about honest chats about about the lads because there'll still be a lot of lads that aren't coming forward about you know issues and problems and anxieties etc and uh those are the guys you want to help and this was my main reason for doing the book basically you know i'm a short fat bald bloke from somebody with honestly no skills or my my only skill being people and if i can go and be successful then all these people coming out the game can be as well I think that's a point to remember that Nashi isn't a one-off here. Obviously, I've been around the game for a while now and played at a few different teams, and this is common. Like County cricket in particular is a bit of a head fuck at times. Mm. People take the piss and say it's the grind, where it is. Obviously, everyone's living their dreams and having fun, but sometimes if it's all you know, and yeah. because it's such an up and down, you, know, you set up to fail most of the time in cricket, particularly if you're a batter. Mm. Um, you can see why so many people battle and if it's all they know and they're scared to get out of it or scared of the other side they don't enjoy it and they don't get better and, no. uh, and it passes you by and you don't want regrets like i've always had different views on it a little bit because i came in a bit later and <clears throat> had a different angle with it but i've played with so many people talented or not really good players who um who have suffered anxiety depression and you know sometimes just not really enjoyed playing the game i found it difficult to to experience that myself, but how how are you with it yourself, Brooksy? Because no, if I, if I turn the TV on, I just see a guy that was loving the game, you know, headband, bit of a bloke that did it his own way, looked pretty cool, enjoying it, smiling, going about his business as if like it was his dream. Was was that reality? No one's ever said I've looked cool, mate. So thanks for that. I thought you looked very cool. Maybe, <laughs> my maybe you could have been that. my man crush. My missus never says that, mate. She thinks I'm anti cool. So. I prefer the hair longer, though, so grow it out a bit more. <laughs> Man, I've got no choice in the last few months. Um, <laughs> I think my view, are, like, are, it's nice that it's viewed like that because because I came into it late and I was very much a bit of a clubby who got lucky and enjoyed the amateur side of it. It was my hobby, and I just had a passion for it since I was a kid. I sort of carried that into the game, and I've been really lucky that my career hasn't really had a real bad trot or a bad run of form. I haven't played a lot of second team cricket in and out playing for my career sort of thing um and then being in good environments and good teams it sort of keeps you on a on a high edge so yeah i've been really lucky that i wake up every day thinking a bad day for me with no wickets no runs an awful loss you know it take me a few hours to get over it but i'm like it's better than sitting in an office what i was doing before or i could be mm. I could be doing anything. I could be cleaning toilets or something like It's better than a lot of Steve, jobs. You, you, that's really interesting because a, a good friend of mine played at Middlesex for a few years, a guy called Tim Bloomfield. He came from it from exactly the same side. He was a clubby that loved the game that would turn up on a Saturday, et cetera, et cetera, play minor counties. And he loved every day. You could literally see it. Like, he loved it. And whereas I'd been in the game from a Middlesex under nine, going through the system, being the big player, you know, under 11s, England under 15s, 17s, 19s, the pressure, 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 pressure and all that, like trying to live up to a bit of hype and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't I think it's different doing it the way round you did it. And sort of Straussy came in the game a bit late at 21 as a clubby, you know, no one knew him at Oxfordshire, et cetera, et cetera. So well, it was a free hit almost for him. Do you know what I mean? In a way. I don't know. He's from Oxford as well. There's obviously good blokes 
come through yeah. the Oxford system. Yeah, the good come out of the Oxford system. Definitely, that's one for Tom Harrison, ECB. Plus some more money into the Oxford system, Harrison. <laughs> so I've tried, I, I spoke to James Hildreth about it because he's a similar age and he's had a real long career, a lot of cricket. And I played against him for years and you, th- you kind of have, you think you know someone, but until you play with them and spend time with them away from the game or in the change room a bit more. And he said, like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you get back in and behave and relax like you do. And I said, well, it's because I've got perspective and I've got a, I could be doing something else that's not as fun. Like a bad day in cricket is not a bad day in life. Like it's still a very good day. Mm. Um, and he said, it's so difficult to have that perspective when all you've known is cricket. Yeah. I, I sort of agree with that. And uh, no, it's a really, really interesting one. Um, it's a it's a brutal game because you got, you, you know, coming out of the game, you're a sort of a somebody in cricket because people follow it. And, you know, I'd go up to, to my local pub or whatever and uh, want to chill out and have a couple of beers with the boys. And, you know, people, I just don't understand people sometimes. People come up to me and go, oh, yeah, I've got you in my fantasy league team and you got me minus points. And I'd just be thinking... Would I go up to someone and go, oh, I hear you're doing really shit at work? I just I just find people really, really weird. And, um, you know, you should want you should want to make people feel good in your company. But people just I, I suppose, I don't know, people just uh, there's a lot of sad people out there. But um, it's it's a weird world. You know, uh, cricket is a is a tough place to be. It's a tough sport. Um, but I do think because it's such a tough sport, it should make good businessmen. Because yeah. you have to mix, you have to be with people, and you know, it, honestly, it burns my it burns my ass when I see now these young lads. I'll go to a, a function because I still like a, a still an ambassador at Middlesex, and I introduce them to a few sponsors and stuff like that. And I love the club. Obviously, the club's massive for me. You know, Middlesex has been cricket's basically given me my opportunity in life to to make something of my life. So it burns my ass when I see the ten lads all standing around in a circle chatting to each other no get out and speak to the sponsors speak to the punters these could be your people that are going to help out in your, the second phase of your life of your development do not be chatting to the lads you chat to the lads for eight hours a day yeah, yeah. it just I, I, it, burn, it burns my ass. i say exactly the same mate it's just the problem that a lot of people who come through now sort of youngsters they don't have the social skills and they're not ingrained they're looking down at their phones more than looking up and around them like what you've done Obviously, you say you're a bit of a boozer and you pissed it away, but obviously it meant you were very sociable. You, know, mm. you were good at speaking. You weren't afraid of speaking to people, even if you were. Like I was, when I first started doing it back at North, I forced myself to do it because I got better at talking to people. And people, like believe it or not, people actually want to speak to you. So as soon as you approach yeah. them and speak to someone, yeah, you haven't got to do a lot of speaking after that. Other than no, like, because say, like, because you? you're you're a somebody. And the one thing that I've found out about CEOs, they all generally all the best CEOs love sport because they can talk to people. They they're leaders, and let's be honest, sport sport provides leaders and leadership without doubt. And uh, that they they love sports people. So I think there's a huge opportunity. They want to give you a go because they they know you're going to give it your best shot. They know that you're not going to want to let anyone down. And I think there's a massive opportunity in in business for people coming out of sport. But you know, it's just it's it's hard work. Um, got, got to go like Don McCarthy, the ex uh, chairman of House of Fraser. Basically, um, after John King gave me my first opportunity, got really um, got on really really well with Don. Went up to see him and say, Don, how do I scale this business? You've done brilliant in business. You know, you're worth over two hundred million quid. You're a barrow boy from South London. How have you done it? And he went, Nashy lad just done it by three things get great people around me go with your gut feel and make sure you whack your best suit on when you meet your bank manager <laughs> and I, I try and just stick to those principles Quality. better go and buy a good suit then yeah <laughs> <laughs> go Neil McCann Neil McCann's the man he can make anyone look cool <laughs> Neil McCann. Good, good plan for, good plug for you there Macca you can sort my deal out, can't you, Nashi? Yeah, of course I can. Love it. Of course it. I can. Anything but your birthday suit. But James, <laughs> um, Greg, if Greg, have you got some uh, questions? I've got, I want to change tact a little bit. Yeah, and, same. Um, I mean, look, look. I, I love, I love how honest you're being, Nashi. It's great. It's uh, brilliant. And I hope anybody who's listening to this podcast now, if they take anything, even if it's one thing that you've said away today, it's going to be absolutely quality. So thank you so much, Nashi. Look, cr- cricket. 
um, was one of those um, things that you said that, you know, you didn't love the game, but it provided with a lot of opportunity. And also, by the sounds of things, from what we've sourced off a few uh, bits of uh, intel from around the county championship circuit when you were playing, also a lot of fun as well, Nashi. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. um, Bro- Brooksy, uh, you've got a couple of bits, haven't you, off uh, an unnamed I source? Have, mate. I've done a little bit of digging because I didn't play with Nashi or play against him myself. I wish I had done because I think we'd have enjoyed it. A- few beers in the evening chatting absolute <laughs> to each other um but if you can guess who's given me these these two little snippets about you from your playing days then then fair play to you but it's someone that i know quite well that you played with at middlesex um first story you've got to say if it's is true or not and maybe elaborate on it yeah he's, he's he said to me we we're playing a game against sussex i think at lords weather was horrendous rained all day we yeah. suggest that if we put money into a pot, Nashi would strip naked, run downstairs, out through the long room. This is at Lords, by the way, the home of cricket. Yeah. yeah. Out into the field, onto the covers, do a cleansman across the covers. There yeah. were still supporters in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> this, unfortunately, is a true story. And, and the boys, so basically, we'd had a few beers, it smashed down with rain. Sussex were about seven down. We were men of win, and it, it just pissed down with rain. So we're all gutted, but we're having a few beers. We totally outplayed them. We never outplayed Sussex because Mushy always bowled us out. So we didn't know how we were doing it, to be fair. It smashed down with rain. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever played at Lords when it when it monks it down in those days before the drainage, the water was just it just stayed on the surface. So we'd had a few beers and then we're just chatting about the Klinsman dive. And then I tell you what, I said to the lads, I tell you what, all put in 20 quid and I'll do a naked Klinsman dive. So we scrambled together, I think about 240 quid that the lads said that they'd all put in or whatever. So I've gone out, down through the long room, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, out, out onto in my towel to be fair and then I've, I've thrown my towel up and then I've sprinted and the and I've done a cleansman dive across the covers as you said just flew for miles it was absolutely quality loved it well little did I realise there was obviously still the groundsman was still there and they were still pressing the media centre so I got the telegraph the next day but the worst part of it as I was walking back picked up my towel put my towel back and walked through the long room with the blick geezers at the door um, and the lady and the, the guy at the door and the pavilion managers like laughing at me. I've then got onto the, onto the floor of the long room and I've stacked it because my feet are wet. I've slipped like that and I've stacked it and I'm looking up on the floor at the ceiling with the, with the guys coming to help me up. So I've hobbled up the stairs, got there to the change room, and the lads said, oh, that was just brilliant. They were on the balcony clapping me, both sets of uh, <laughs> Sussex and Middlesex, and I'm giving it this one. Uh, so I've got in there, and then um, obviously there was no for- money forthcoming as the lads were getting showered and changed. Got no cash sorted out, which, which basically has taught me one of the key principles in business, make sure you get your cash up front. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you get your cash up front, businessmen, lads that are going into business. That's very, very important. But then I knew I was in a bit of trouble when Tuffers came over to me, put his arm around me and said, Nashi, that was brilliant, mate. If they try to sack you, I'll make sure I'll back you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not words of encouragement. Thinking, I started thinking, shit, fuck, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> oh, that is so it got, got called in the next day when it was in the papers it was in the telegraph uh, was flipping. <laughs> luckily there was no picture because i i'm as i'm only i'm only five foot seven and i wouldn't say i'm uh, <laughs> i'm hung like a donkey everything's in I'm proportion david yeah. was, but i'm certainly not so uh it got called in and uh luckily they just uh because i was doing well at that stage and i was young and i was a bit of a legend i got looked after <laughs> But if it had been sort of to the back end of my career, unfortunately, I think I would have been sacked. Wow. If there's a bit of social media around, there might have been a few video clips flying around as well. <laughs> That's a shame. That's a massive shame. It is a shame. Brilliant. Uh, what was the other one, Brooksy? We need to get that money for you, mate, don't we? <laughs> yeah. We do. What um, was the other one? The second one is just a very quick brief. Ask him how he got his nickname, Knocker. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ, who has who has dobbed me in here, Brooksy? So <laughs> someone you played with for a long time. I played oh. with him in minor counties cricket. It was our Richo. Richo. No. Minor counties oh. cricket. 
Peplo. No, mate. Who would this be? <laughs> You're trying to work out who stitched you up. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the story. I'll tell you the story whilst I still, still compute it in my head. So the the story knocker, right? This was part of my mental health issues. So I really, really struggled. Um, I I basically had a an addiction to what what do they call it um, when you have to walk around the stumps the right way, same way. The superstition. Superstition. Yeah. It's, Superstitious. I was very superstitious. So I'd had to make sure in the morning all the all the taps were off in the house, the mat was in the perfect position, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, I had all these bad things going through my head that if I didn't didn't touch the bloke up the other end's pad, I'd get out next ball. Like honestly, my head was is a bad place to be. It's never a great, a good place to be, but it was a really bad place to be because cricket basically, you know, it 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 makes it makes you really, really superstitious or it made me really superstitious. So basically one day um, I was bored, we were batting and um, our changing room attendant at the time, Peter Lowe, um, Taff, I think he's still actually the away attendant. He's the absolute yeah, he's legend. He's the best bloke in the game. I say, I went up to him and said, Taff, I'm feeling a bit randy. Have you got anything for me? Um, and he said, yeah, I've got a couple of these magazines. So I took these magazines and took them off to the toilet and did what every young lad sort of sometimes needs to do. <laughs> Came back Sorry. in, there was a wicket, put my pads on, went out and got 100. So basically, <laughs> I then basically thought, well, flipping hell, there must be something in that. So uh, I continued doing it. And thus, the boys gave my nickname Knock and Nash as, in I, as if I'm knocking one out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting to take that down this path. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know what the title for this podcast is going to be. Knocker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not a proud... Uh, proud moment but yeah I'd, like I had like all the lads that sort of played against me would realise it'd be like eight it'd be the hottest day of the summer and because I did well batting in a long sleeve jumper jumper I wouldn't change it so it'd be 85 degrees and I'd, I'd roll out in my long sleeve jumper and it's just unfortunately I had one of those heads that was a bit a bit a bit mad yeah. and I've still got it unfortunately I'll say a big thank you to Jamie Hewitt for those and Jamie Hewitt oh my <laughs> god what a legend love him love Huey what a legend he is one he of the married, good men um, he married the Lord's ground with Mickey Hunt's daughter didn't he he did mate Joe absolutely lovely she's an absolute legend they've got lovely family Huey Huey one of the good blokes played at my club Sunbury for a few years as well yeah he's a top man he um, had a lot of fun with him playing for Oxfordshire after he retired from, from cricket Loved, loved the weight session, Huey, didn't he? Jesus, he's, big he's boy. like Chris Tremlett now, isn't he? Yeah, I saw a photo of the old England legends the other day yeah. with old Tremors in it. Jesus, Tremors is big boy. He's strong, isn't he? Well, I just dropped yeah, a photo in this boys. morning of Tremlett with, with his arm around Sachin. Um, <laughs> and, and wow. I've dropped it in the WhatsApp group this morning and just thought, wow. And it's just hilarious, isn't it? I can't stop looking is, at it. Is that from that Legends game? Yeah, it yeah. is, yeah. Oh, awesome. And Sachin's awesome. obviously like five foot sod all and he's next to Tremlett, who's massive. And then there's like, he just looks like a little bloke. He's hilarious. Um, Chris, <laughs> Chris, you had a couple of bits, didn't you, to chuck it naturally? Yeah. yeah, someone's dubbed you and I think you'd probably guess who it is. But it's um, to do with the story with uh, David Lloyd when he was your coach on an away team. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Bumble. I love Bumble. He was absolutely brilliant. You know, I've spoken about not being too complimentary about Phil Neal because he he just wasn't a leader. You know, he was a mood hoover. But Bumble, he made it fun. You run through brick walls for Bumble. And that's what leadership's about. Someone that actually, you know, makes, brightens your day up, makes it fun. And actually, you know, you want to you wanna do your best for him. He was absolutely brilliant. But that Bumble got me at the time, basically, that I wasn't, you know, I was starting on that slippery slope. You know, we had people like, I haven't seen, I'd love a reunion, but we had people like Alex Morris um, at Yorkshire. Uh, Almo was a brilliant um, left-handed batter. Bold Seamers played for Hampshire and Yorkshire for a bit. Absolute legend, but oh my God, like, did he love a night, night out? And I got <laughs> in with him and a guy called Legs, an off-spinner from um, from Glamorgan and, you know, and Freddie and the lads, and, and we hit it pretty hard. But um, on that trip... Uh, on that trip, yeah, it was. Uh, was it a? Was it an England A trip or was it an under nineteen trip? I think it was hey. England A. Yeah, it was, was it an A yeah. trip? Yeah, 
I think it was. And uh, yeah, so basically we'd had, no, it wasn't. It was an under 19 trip to Zimbabwe. It was Zimbabwe under 19s. That was it, which was a slippery slope because that on that trip, <laughs> I, uh, I missed the plane. So uh, yeah, it was a nightmare. It was a stinker. Shah was meant to wake me up and he didn't and they left me. So it wasn't great. That was where I got a very bad tour report and it started going downhill. But uh, thanks for that, Shah. Useless at alarm, alarm calls, but never mind. So yeah, so I had my birthday the night before. It'd been a massive, massive night out, and they had me up singing. Here's every time they'd sung, uh, here's Tanashi, he's so blue. I had to stand on my flipping chair and neck a carafe of wine from the table. Oh. So obviously, I, I don't take my booze too well, being a little lad. And it absolutely, I was out for the count. Next day, we're playing a game. I think it was like a warm up game against. Zimbabwe, someone, all right. Well, I can't remember who it was, but I'm in the I'm in the middle doing the stretch, and then um, we've gone off for a run to the to the sight screen and back, and I've continued going to the bushes to uh, to puke up all over all over the bushes, and as Bumble says it, I think there was sort of 14 that went out and only 13 came back, and uh, <laughs> not not my finest hour, but I think that was the start of the slippery slope. To be totally honest, were you not taking the game seriously enough? Yeah. Um, you've done a bit of uh, coaching, haven't you? What's this about some association with, is it Team GB Cricket uh, in Israel yeah. or something? So talk yeah. to me about that because I, I, I was trying to sort of piece it together a little bit online and I just couldn't work it out. So I want you to kind of tell us what it's all about, Nashi. So basically one of the guys that I've been, um, that I've really looked up to and um, has been a great mentor to me is a guy called Hilton Nathanson, who's done amazingly in um, in finance, um, runs a, a, one of the top hedge fund businesses, uh, Marble Bar. He's an absolute legend. Um, he's given over 80 million to charity as well. Um, wow. he's, he's a giver. But he's just a, a, you know, he's he's worth huge amounts of money. But he's just a normal bloke that um, that is is just a mate basically, who's an absolute legend. And I, just the way he goes about people, the respect he treats people with, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just the way I want to lead my life. I mean, I say to my girls, look, just be the best you can be every day, but just make sure you treat people the, the way you want to be treated yourself. See, the one thing I hate is basically people that get bigger than the game. You know, one thing I always remember is I asked KP to sign two bats for me and two montages in my benefit year. Um, whilst I, I was away, I left them with Taft's change room attendant. When I came back and said, uh, oh, has KP done the montages and the bats? He says he's done the bats, but if you want him to do the montages, um, you need to ring him. And I just felt that, that that was poor. That was someone that's got a huge ego and he's not a good bloke in, in truth. So I just think it's really, really important to be a good bloke. Hilton's a great bloke. Just because he's successful doesn't mean that you can treat people in the wrong ways, wrong way. And I, he asked me to basically be coach of the British um, VB team to go to the Maccabea Games, which is the Jewish Olympics. And of course, I said, yes, I'd love to. Um, so we worked hard with the team, et cetera, et cetera. And we were trying to come back with a medal. And we, we did really, really well. We came back with a bronze. I felt we could have probably done better. Um, but, you know, we lost some important stages in in, uh, in the semi-final match against South Africa. But we got we got the bronze in the bronze medal match against, against India. But it was amazing. It was an amazing thing to do. 36,000 people at the Teddy Stadium um, opening ceremony, walking around with a GB flag. Um, and it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I said to Hilton, look, you know, I'm, I'm so not Jewish. I love a, I love a bacon sandwich. And the, the closest thing I am to being Jewish is that uh, as a four year old, I'm, I had I had my little one, had my little one done. So, uh, so at least, on, least when I was in, at least when I was in the showers with the lads, I, I look, I look like one of the boys. Cavaliers <laughs> being the roundheads, right? Eh? Exactly, exactly. But it was an amazing experience. Um, loved every minute of it to, to, to go through and, and find out more about the culture, um, to go to Yavashem and, you know, go through everything that, that, that you know, see what the, the Jewish um, people went through, um, you know, shocking times, you know, really was shocking with the Germans and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was it was awful. But to learn learn so much about it, you know, in Jerusalem and and be able to visit all all the sort of uh, the cultural um, things, things, it, it was a, it was a pretty amazing experience. And I've got to say, you know, it, it was never on my radar as a place to go to, but it is absolutely stunning. 
it really, really is stunning. And Tel Aviv as a, as a place, beautiful beaches, absolutely stunning, absolutely beautiful place. And yeah, great. We'll get ourselves there. But before we lose you, can you um, give us a little bit of insight into your new venture um, in terms of a bar? Because I think it's really cool. I know all about it, of course. But can you tell all our listeners what you've set up? Yeah, so basically um, we partnered with um, the guys at Mac and Wild, um, Callum and Andy War. Um, they've got a really, really successful um, restaurant business, Mac and Wild. Um, they do a bit with Beckham and his whiskey brand, Hague too. And we've got a, a cricketing concept, much like Flight Club, um, experiential venue, um, sporting venue, Flight Club, Putt Shack, um, Top Golf, those type of places, but of cricket. So effectively, um, got great food, great booze in there, but you've got nets in there where you'll basically face a bowler, um, and it will come out. It will come out the um, simulator, and whether you your professional standard, junior standard, or whatever you put on different standards, it comes out a different pace, different swing. If you're facing the spinner, different amounts of spin. If you if you play professional level against the spinner, it literally is like facing Murali got Straussy on there and he was just he was just playing and missing every ball but I was just saying sweeping but problem is with, with the sweep shot you can only get four you have to hit down the ground to get your sixes so you've got to really take a risk to basically <laughs> hit the ground against big spin so it's not easy but it's, it's such fun it really is it's 40 minutes in there but it's absolutely brilliant and we're looking at other venues we're just signing heads on terms with two venues one in um, Great Portland Street in London we've got obviously up and running with a Fulham venue which is amazing Great Portland Street had some terms with doing and also we've got the Corn Exchange in Manchester because at the moment obviously commercial property is really really cheap we got a deal up there um, an old stake business unfortunately have gone into liquidation they'd spent three and a half million on the fit out so we're at we've got 18 months rent free and then it's a hundred grand a year but that comes with obviously wow. the fit out plus all furniture so commercial deals at the moment are unbelievable and we're basically taking the punt that the world is going to come back um, with a bang. And I think people are going to want to have fun. They're going to want to see their mates. They're going to want to see their clients. So what I, we think um, hospitality and, uh, and F and B is, is a good, good, uh, good spot to be in. Yeah. Quality. Hey, Nashi, it's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure listening to you. I could listen to you all day, mate. Um, yeah. I, we'll definitely be popping in when things open up to have a little whack in the nets. I'll be playing and missing, but sounds like I'm in good company because Strauss did the same. So that's all good, isn't it? Worst case, mate, we've got the best booze and the best burgers in town. So you'll love it. Oh, I mean, we'll get you boys down as well because I'll tell you what we should do. We should get you boys to come down and take on because Hawksby and Jacobs are coming down as well. Five live boys. Awesome. So we'll get you, we'll get, uh, we'll get you boys to, uh, to join join us when yeah, they're yeah. coming down, when we're all allowed, when we're all allowed. Quality. All over that, mate. All over that. Nashi, thanks stay so safe, much, mate. Stay safe, boys. Brooks, if you need me for anything, mate, I'm on the end of a, a phone. And look, to all those cricketers, any anyone that's coming out of the game, if you want any support, mate, uh, give me my email is dnash at dggrp.com. Love to chat to you if I can help in any way. I'm, I, I really will. Top man, Nashi. Thanks, boys. Stay safe. Good luck. Podcast Network.